uh, devoted manner in which you have ministered to us. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you, brother. Good to go. All right, sweet. Um, Christ Covenant, it's good to be with you again uh, on this Sunday morning um, in this season of of Advent. Um, Always enjoy just being with you and worshiping with you. Um, During this Advent season, you guys, the series that you have been doing um, is a series on kind of the themes of of Advent. Uh, So two weeks ago, Dave talked about hope. Uh, Last week, Rich talked about peace. Um, And this morning, we come to the theme of joy, uh, this theme of joy. And, um, you know, Advent, Christmas, uh, is a, it's meant to be a joyful season, especially in the, the singing and the psalms and the Christmas cheer. But that, uh, that, that experience of the season doesn't always match our experience, that we, it can act, we can actually be going through times of difficulty or suffering. I think no matter what we've gone through this year, this year's been a hard year for all of us. And so uh, we're going to look this morning at how do you have joy um, in a season in which that may not be your subjective experience. Um, and so to do that, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. So give your attention to, to these words uh, from God's word. Luke 2, 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared in them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you illumine our minds and hearts to help us to see uh, the glory of Jesus. And I pray that that would bring glory to you and bring joy into us. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Um, so at, at the, the core of this passage in Luke 2, this story of the birth of Christ, um, is kind of a great summary of what this season of Advent and season of Christmas is all about. Um, and it's kind of summarized in the angel's announcement to the shepherds. The angel says to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. 
And that's the core of what he has to say. And so that's, that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at good news of great joy for all the people. So first of all, we're going to look at, at good news. So the birth of Christ is, first of all, good news. And you can't really understand what Christmas or really Christianity is about until you understand that it's actually news. It's news. Um, so in April of, of 2014, I was working as a campus ministry intern at the University of Maryland, which is where I went to undergrad. And uh, that experience there, be, doing an internship there, um, those experiences I had there, uh, over time, I just uh, had a growing sense that the Lord was calling me to, to go to seminary and to pursue uh, greater theological training and to invest in my future in, in ministry. And uh, as with most people who are pursuing grad school, I wrestled with what that was going to look like, where I was going to go, um, you know, what degree I would pursue, and of course, how I was going to pay for it. Like, you st- once you decide you want to go to grad school, it's like all the questions come up. And so it was a se- season of prayer and wisdom and discernment, a lot of conversations with people, and it was that spring of 2014, and I was still trying to figure out, okay, what's, Lord, what's the next step for my life? And I still remember it was a rainy April morning. I was, had just, I was in the engineering building at the University of Maryland. I just met a student there, and I just met a student, and I got a call on my phone, and I didn't recognize the area code, and I answered the call, and the person on the other line was a woman named Melinda Kahn. And Melinda Kahn was from the financial aid office from Covenant Seminary. And Melinda said, Jeff, I'm calling to let you know that we would like to offer you a full scholarship to come to Covenant Seminary. And I was, I had applied there and I had applied for the scholarship, but I I did not think that I was actually going to get it. And at first I was shocked because it just, it, it totally surprised me. But then I was completely overjoyed because I realized um, not only did I uh, want to go to Covenant, but I, the Lord had actually opened a door for me to, to pay for grad school. And this was an amazing thing, that he was opening the door for this to happen. It, it totally changed my life. Um, it's incredible how good news, how a message can actually completely change your life. And that's what is happening here in Luke 2. Um, this angel appears to shepherds who are just doing their job, watching over their sheep. Um, and, and actually... Uh, the, the first thing that the angel has to say is fear not uh, because the angel's presence is so glorious. It's so brilliant. It's so amazing that they, they're, they're just totally taken aback. They're totally shocked by it. And the angel has to say to them, hey, I, I'm not here to kill you. Uh, I'm actually here to deliver some good news to you. Um, the message that I'm here to bring you is that the savior of the world has been born just a few yards away in your town. He's right here. The, the king of the whole universe, the savior of the world, is just a few feet away from you. Um, the, the core of what Advent and Christmas are all about is it's about news. Uh, it's about news about an event that actually happened in human history. And that, this might seem like a completely obvious point. You're like, why are we spending time on this? But I think it's so important because it's, sometimes I think it's easy to think about the Christian faith as good advice rather than good news. But good advice and good news are completely different, right? So... Good advice is save your money. But good news is uh, $10,000 has just been transferred into your bank account, right? Good advice is uh, eat healthy and exercise. Good news is, hey, we've just got the blood work back. Your cholesterol levels look great. It's good news. Good advice is uh, work hard and build your resume. Let's get some good advice. Good news is, hey, we'd like to offer you a job. Can you start next week? All right, that's good news. 
good news is, is way different from good advice. And to be clear, there, there are commands in Scripture, right? We are called to follow and obey God. But those commands aren't good advice. <laughs> They're the holy inspired word of God. Um, and those commands are always given in light of good news. The commands of God are always given in light of as, as a response to God's grace. Um, that uh, call that I got from Covenant Seminary wasn't advice that changed my life. It was news about something that had happened that changed my life. So the birth of Christ is first and foremost good news. And that's important. But it's also important to realize that uh, this is good news. This is not just any news. It's good news of great joy. It's good news of great joy. Why does the birth of Christ bring great joy? Uh, Because of verse 11, the angels tell the shepherds, it's good news of great joy because he is the Christ. He is the Savior, Christ the Lord. Jesus is the Savior who rescues us from sin and death and Satan. He's the resurrected, ascended Lord who fills us with his spirit, who builds us with his church, who empowers us to live a new life, and his one day coming again to renew and restore all creation and bring us resurrection hope. And so our response to this should be none other than joy. But it's only good news, right? Like this is only good news if you realize that you're in need of rescuing, if you're in need of saving. Um, If you don't think that you need to be rescued from sin and death, then this news might not be that important to you. But if we are aware that we actually we do have a sin problem, that actually we are alienated from God, that Christ has come to redeem us, this is incredibly good news. And, and this is where it's helpful to clarify what joy is and what joy is not. Uh, Derek actually just hinted at this earlier, that it, joy is not this kind of momentary happiness that comes and goes depending on our circumstances. It's also not just like an emotion that we experience based on how we feel. No, joy is actually a faithful response to God's glory and to God's grace. Joy is actually a faithful faithful response to who God is and what God has done. And that's what we see here in this passage, that the birth of Christ is good news of great joy because it brings great glory to God. This is what we see in verse 13. In verse 13, the whole angelic host join this angel and the angelic host cry out, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. So this message, this good news about the birth of Christ is something that brings glory to God. And so the shepherds turn to one another and they say, okay, well, uh, if this thing that has happened has caused the whole angelic host to appear to us in the sky, and if they're singing glory to God, um, maybe we should go into town and and see what has happened. And so they they do. They go into Bethlehem, they find Mary and Joseph, and they they find Jesus, um, and they they see Jesus, the Savior and the King of the world, in like an animal's feeding trough. That's what a manger is. It's a place where donkeys and cows and horses would come in and feed like the savior and the king of the world in an animal's feeding trough. And, and verse 20 says, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And so why did the shepherds, like this is like, I know this story is familiar with us, but like this is crazy. Like they're just been told that the king of the world has been born. They go and see him. He's in a feeding trough and they're overjoyed. Right? Like, what? What is this all about? 
why do they respond with such joy? But they respond with joy because the shepherds understand something profound about how God has revealed his glory. That the God who has revealed his glory in creation, in the mountains and sunsets and galaxies and stars, the God who has revealed his glory in a cloud of fire on Mount Sinai, the God who has revealed his glory in the law, has revealed his glory even more clearly, has revealed his glory even more powerfully by being born as a baby to small, to parents from a small town in a small place who aren't powerful, who aren't wealthy, and he's been laid in a feeding trough. That that is where the glory of God is most on display. And again, we should respond to this. Are you like, are you crazy? Like, God has revealed his glory by becoming a baby? But, but this is precisely what brought the shepherds so much joy because, you know, they realized that if, that the good news of great joy was for them, like it was for anybody. Like it wasn't, you didn't have to have wealth or status or privilege. Like shepherds were not the up and in of the first century. Like they were not the powerful and the wealthy and the who's who. They were actually at the lower tier of society. They were at the bottom rung. I mean, being a shepherd was not, you know, it wasn't... Um, a really glorifying job. I mean, they were probably poor. They were probably scraping by. They probably didn't have a lot of wealth or prestige. Bethlehem was like a small town. Um, it, it wasn't one of the big cities of the ancient world. But the good news of great joy of Christmas is precisely that this is the kind of people that God's glory comes to. Like these are the exact people that God has come to rescue and save. Not the rich and powerful, not people who have it together, not people who are influential or good looking, but it comes to the lowly and to the weak and the humble. It comes to the needy. It comes to the people who realize that they need God. It comes to the broken. And this reality is the exact reality that brings glory to God. What brings glory to God is not rescuing people who are rich and powerful. What brings glory to God is for him to come and dwell with those who are overlooked, with those who are outcast, with those who are marginalized and needy. Um, listen, I don't, I don't know, I've gotten to know some of you. I don't, I don't know you super well, but here's what I do know, is that you and I are needy people. And I know this because I'm needy. Um, I know that you guys have struggles with sin in your life. I know that because I have struggles with sin in my life. I know that there are broken areas in your family and relationships. I know this because there are broken areas in my family and in my relationships. And so the incredible great joy of Christmas is that God has come to reveal his glory in exactly these places, in exactly these areas of brokenness and neediness and sin. Uh, the, the secret to Christmas joy is not getting in touch with our togetherness. It's not getting in touch with how we've crushed it. It's not getting in touch with how awesome we are. It's getting in touch with our neediness and brokenness. Because those are the places, the overlooked, needy, broken places are the places where God wants to reveal his glory. He wants to come and dwell with us and meet with us there. That's why the shepherds saw the Savior of the world in a feeding trough and were like, this is incredible. This is amazing. You know, maybe uh, if you're here this morning, you know, you'd say, you know, I know that Advent and Christmas is supposed to be this joyful season. I'm just not feeling it. Like, I, I'm not feeling it this morning. I'm not feeling this joy. And there could be a thousand reasons for that, right? Like, 
It could be a thousand reasons just because it's been a hard year. It could be a thousand reasons for what's happened in our lives this week. But I also wonder if, if maybe some of us haven't experienced yet the joy of this season because we haven't quite gotten in touch with the areas in our life where we need God. Like those areas in our life where we actually need God to come and rescue us and save us and bring the power of his Holy Spirit in our lives. This text is an invitation for us to become like the shepherds, people who were so in touch with the fact that they needed God that they were overjoyed when they saw the glory of God revealed to them in grace. So the gospel, the birth of Christ, is good news. It's good news of great joy. And it's good news of great joy for all the people. For all the people. And this might seem like a small phrase that you might overlook, but it's an important phrase. This small phrase, for all the people, is a huge statement about why Jesus was born. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 12 when God tells, tells Abram that he is going to be a father of many nations, that through him, Abram, who's going to become Abraham, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Like it has always been God's mission to redeem a people, not just from one nation, but from every tribe and tongue and people group on the planet. Like this is what we see in Revelation 7. In Revelation 7, we see every tribe and tongue and nation before the throne. Like this is all the people. It's not just nations, it's ethnic groups. And so, but here's the question. How do we get from a feeding trough in Bethlehem to all the nations of the earth, to every tribe, tongue, people, and language? Like, how do we get from Bethlehem to that? I think verse 17 here in Luke 2 gives us a hint. Verse 17 says, When they, the shepherds, had seen Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds who had experienced this joy, the good news of great joy, who experienced the joy of the birth of Christ, carried that joy to others, to everyone around them. And I think this is how we get from a feeding trough in Bethlehem to all the nations of the world, that those who participate in Christmas joy carry it to the ends of the earth. I think this is Christian mission. This is the mission of the church. Those who experience the joy of the birth of Christ extend the joy of the birth of Christ to all the nations of the earth. God's plan A to reach the nations with the gospel is ordinary people like you and me. That as we experience the joy of Christmas, we're sent out to share it with our neighbors and our families and our friends and the nations. Um, Over the past few weeks, I've been able to hear uh, some joyful reports from my organization, CREW, uh, formerly known as Campus Crusade for Christ, about what God is doing all over the world. And uh, many of you might know that CREW is a, an international missions organization that uh, sends and deploys missionaries all on the world. Uh, campus ministry in the United States is like one arm of like what we do, but we, CREW is all over the world doing all kinds of things. Um, and here's, I just wanted to share with you some of the stories, just some of the, some quick stats of what God, what we've seen God do over the world. Now, as you hear this, I just want you to realize that like crew is one really small part of the Great Commission. Like we're one small part of the whole, you know, what God is doing all around the world through the church, right? Um, but I just was so encouraged to hear some of these stories. So we spoke to a guy who's our international missions director for the Middle East. Uh, he's actually, it's, we call it NAME, uh, North Africa and the Middle East. And here's, what, here's some of the things that he was sharing with us. 
Our international staff in, the, in these regions, the North, North Africa and the Middle East, have seen God do more in the past two years than, he, than he's done in the entire history of our organization in that region. We've seen people come to faith at rates that have accelerated more than ever before. Um, in the area of the Middle East, um, our, there's, a, there's a location where staff in our ministry, they've been doing digital ministry like long before COVID because these places are hard to reach. Like they're hard to physically get into. And so we've had to do digital ministry for a long time. So before COVID, like before March, it would take about 900 to 1,000 online spiritual conversations for someone to like believe the gospel and accept Christ. It's about 900 to 1,000 conversations for someone to trust Jesus. Since COVID that number has gone down to one in every 63. One in every 63 conversations, someone believes the gospel. In one particular city, North Africa, where Crew's been there since the mid-90s, it's just a hard, difficult place for the gospel. Like very little fruit, not many conversions, not much response to the gospel. Um, One of the most fruitful years in recent history, like three people came to faith. Like that was like a really fruitful year, three people. Since March, in that city alone, 24 students have trusted Christ. 24. In a region we call the Gulf, uh, staff have, uh, since March, staff have moved their ministry entirely online. And in this region, they've seen over 300 people trust Christ. The vast majority of which are Muslim background believers, which means they, they grew up Muslim, they grew up reading the Quran, following the prophet Muhammad, and now They've heard the gospel and they're following Jesus. 300 people in the past nine months. And over half of those were people who trusted Christ as a result of the witness from someone who just trusted Christ. So people who just came to faith and then shared their faith and then a bunch of other people just came to faith. These are just snapshots. These are short stories of what God is doing through one small organization around the world. The reality is he's doing so much more uh, through... Um, missions agencies like Mission to the World uh, of the PCA through all kinds of churches and missions agencies all around the world. Um, and this, this is happening, right, because the, the birth of Christ is great news of great joy. Uh, and that God uses our joy of experiencing the gospel to carry, to carry this message to the ends of the earth. So um, in, in 490 BC, the Battle of Marathon was fought between the Greeks and the Persians. Uh, The Persian Empire was the great world power at the time. Um, And the Persian king Darius wanted to kind of conquer the known world. And so he um, was trying to conquer all the different Greek city-states that kind of operated independently. And so he went out and was trying to conquer the city of Marathon. And the Battle of Marathon was this incredible uh, David versus Goliath battle. So, So no Greek army had ever beaten the Persian army in a battle before. Um, the Athenian army was greatly outnumbered. It was a bunch of uh, people from Athens who came in and, and fought the, the Persians. Uh, they were greatly outnumbered. They were the underdog. But amazingly, in this David versus Goliath battle, despite the odds, the Athenians won the battle. And they defeated the Greek. Uh, they, they defeated the Persians. Um, and historians now see the Battle of Marathon as this pivotal moment in Mediterranean and European history civilization. Um, because the Battle of Army proved to the Greeks at that time that the Persian army could be beat. 
like it was possible for them to be beat. They weren't invincible. Um, and so this kind of renewed their hope in a Greek civilization. They, they wouldn't have to be conquered by the Persians. And historians centuries later have reflected on the fact that the Battle of Marathon was this really key moment in civilization. It was probably uh, one of the major battles that started Athens' golden age of democracy because it meant that they were able to operate independently as a civilization. And there's this kind of this legend uh, about the Battle of Marathon. And it actually comes from uh, why we call running 26 miles a marathon. So it's this uh, Athenian herald named Pheidippides. And a herald was a messenger. And a herald would travel, uh, walk, run on horseback to different cities to deliver good news. Right? They didn't have uh, the internet or TV. Uh, good news would travel by someone literally walking from, running from city to city. So after the Battle of Marathon, Pheidippides ran from the city of Marathon about 25 or 26 miles to the city of Athens to deliver the news about the battle. Um, and so Pheidippides, running 26 miles, he enters the public square where all the city leaders are, are all meeting. And you can imagine how exhausted he is after running 26 miles. If any of you have ever run a marathon or half marathon, uh, I'm exhausted after running three miles. But you can imagine he's... Uh, He's probably tired. He's probably got some sore muscles. Like he's probably just exhausted. But then he comes in the public square and all the people gather around. And Pheidippides says to all the Athenians, he says, joy to you, we have won. Joy to you, we have won. And this news completely changed the life as, as the Athenians knew it. And this message of good news completely changed the course of their civilization. And some historians would even argue of our civilization today. So friends, to be a Christian is to be like Pheidippides. Only we have greater news of greater joy. That Jesus Christ came into the world to defeat our greatest enemies of sin and death and Satan. And he conquered them in his cross and resurrection. And you and I, through faith in him, get to share in that victory. Like we share in the victory of Christ. And he, as we share in that victory, he has entrusted us to take that victory to the ends of the earth. To be heralds, to be messengers, like Pheidippides, who go to our neighbors and our families, and who go to the nations and say, joy to you, Christ is one. Like, that is the vocation of a Christian. The battle's been won. We simply get to carry the message of joy. The birth of Christ, it is good news. It's good news of great joy. And it's good news of great joy for all the people, for all the nations of the earth. But it's only good news for people who know they need rescuing. It's only good news for people who know they need saving. Like the degree to which we experience Christmas joy is the degree to which we understand that Jesus actually had to come into the world to save people like you and me. Like we are, like I'm why he came. Because I needed to be rescued. And not only do we get to experience this joy, but we also get the joy of taking this message to the nations to say to our friends and neighbors, joy to you, Christ is one. To say to the nations, joy to you, Christ is one. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for this account of how you reveal your glory to ordinary, simple people known as shepherds in a small, tiny, overlooked place called Bethlehem. Thank you, God, that you reveal your glory, not to the rich and the powerful and the mighty, but that you reveal your glory and your grace 
to those who are needy, to sinners like us. Jesus, I pray that we would behold your glory this Advent season and that as we experience the joy of you coming into the world to save us, that we would extend this joy to the world, to the people around us. Pray this in Christ's name.